Welcome back, everybody. This is the Wilderness Tamer Podcast, mini-sode number 13, Kayaking with a Fly Rod. Quick shout-out to the show's sponsors is Dry Pocket Apparel. They're the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag and a self-sealing magnetic strip that's good to 100 feet down, and it keeps your phone, whatever you have in there, dry as a bone. So go check them out on Facebook and Instagram, and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, to save you a little bit of money, use promo code WILDERNESS to get you 25% off your order. My other sponsors are Nomad Outdoors and City Bonfires. Now, getting into the episode. Me and a friend, I figured it was summertime in May, kicking off summer and all. It's time to get the river in the kayak. Now... I used to kayak the Withlacoochee. I grew up fishing the Withlacoochee here in South Georgia. And I would say within the last decade, it has gotten to where you can't fish it. Due to the city of Aldosta and their sewage treatment, they've dumped millions of dollars in it and it's still messing up the river to the fact that there's counties in Florida trying to sue Aldosta for messing up the rivers down there where it's spring country all in there around Wakulla and all that area and uh, it's not safe to fish anymore let alone go swimming or kayaking in that sucker because if you get a cut chances of infection are pretty high now my parents do not live far from a boat ramp on the Withlacoochee and when the wind's right and the sewage is flooded into the river, you can literally smell the mess from their house. I myself have seen toilet paper on the banks, all kinds of everything that goes in the toilet. You can just see it, smell it, it's bad. So that's my little rant with that. So anyways, back to the <laughs> maiden voyage for the 2021 summer. I hit up Sam Bennett and uh, asked him about a specific river above specifically in Valdosta if you go above exit 18 is where I believe it's in that area where the treatment plant's at and you will be fine you're above the crap I've talked about it on other podcasts and I'm going to keep talking about it and hopefully as this podcast grains footing or more footing I should say it gets more in the lot I'm going to bring it up because it pisses me off because my daughters aren't going to be able to enjoy that river. And I know I keep talking about it. But anyways, we hit him up and we go back to this little section of river. It's above exit, it's above exit 18 and below Tifton. I'll give you all that region. So those of y'all local fellas listening, y'all can probably guess where I'm at. It's just a little section of river. <laughs> it's the only hint I'm going to give. And uh, it's perfect. I mean textbook nice clean boat ramp and a lot of boat ramps down here too you got to watch out because some i guess invite riffraff or the river rat as i should say and everybody who's fished the river has seen that type of person you can just tell they seem to live on the river and just look like it but this boat ramps was very clean real good clean concrete boat ramp back the boats down or the kayaks and we uh threw them in now I was start, I had taken two rods with me, a spinner rod with six pound fluorocarbon, no eight pound fluorocarbon, no I'm sorry scratch that I forgot I changed it, ten pound 
I bumped it up from eight to 10 because I just wanted a little extra umph. That was when I used, I used it for my finesse rod for a softer presentation when I'm in clearer water. And uh, it's just a more fun of a fight too, fishing with lighter tackle. For those of y'all that are fishermen, y'all understand that. And I started off with a Zoom Speedworm Watermelon Candy. Now, the Speedworm in itself, not just that color, is an awesome bait. It gives a good reactionary strike if they're not wanting a trick worm or just that little bit of extra oomph to it. It works. To me, I would probably put one on before I did a trick worm. That's just me. But if I'm using a trick worm, another trade of what I would do in tournaments was I'd use a little Colorado blade like from a beetle spin. And this was before I saw them come out, but me, I made these little swivels with a little screw that you put into the back of a worm. And it put a little beetle spin like an old Colorado blade, and I can't think of the minnow blade. Uh, God, it escapes me right now. But that would be a good extra little bit of flash. And I was just talking about different things you could do for getting an extra bite. But anyways, getting back to it, I uh, using that speed worm, I was getting a couple bites, but nothing. I don't think it was a bass. I believe it's just Brim hitting the tail of it. And I swapped out to a black trick worm because, of course, in the river, and especially South Georgia, that black June bug and watermelons, that's about your three. That's your holy trinity there. If you can't bite them, or bite them, if you can't catch them on one of them three, chances are it's just not the right time to be fishing. So, like I said, I put on a black trick worm and didn't get a no bite, nothing. It was just this, you know, just select black trick worm. So I put that up and I put on a June bug, uh, Cinco. Again, nothing that I'm mainly bass fishing the whole time. We're paddling up river because Sam told me there's some good spots. And for you local, local boys, you'll know what I'm talking. That there's some bridges or an old bridge and a railroad bridge. And it's good. You can wade and fly rod fish and all that. So I was like, oh, that's fine. We'll get on up there. And because we only had, man, we got under 6.30-ish, 7. And we paddled back to about 12. So we had a good full half a day in. But the what was so cool about this river, it was so much more intimate. Or it reminded me of, I'd say, like a stream in North Carolina. But it was like a South Georgia river. It, was, it wasn't real wide. I mean, it was just enough. If you did fall out, you could swim to the bank. And if you did, you could probably stand up. I'm, in some spots, it probably got up to chest deep in some spots but for majority of the time it was mid thigh to mid shin and even in some spots it was kind of hard to get the kayak through there to get a full stroke to get up past the current because there just wasn't enough water and with that you just got to find where the currents made a little snake or a canal through there and you could float that but that's just part of kayaking and you got to learn it as you go now a future idea that i'm wanting to do this summer i'm going to be going on the rivers myself paddling and showing y'all different things to look for in the current and just look for things under the water and what to look for for people wanting to get in it or just wanting to learn something new so i'm looking forward to putting that content on my youtube channel and as well as my instagram and facebook so that'll probably be my around my june or july episodes ish content now speaking of episodes i've got some guys coming on i got two that i'm working with schedules to see which one works out first and i'm going to kind of do june as my fishing month and July as my military appreciation, just because, you know, Independence Day, 4th of July and all that. And I got a pretty, I got a few good military guys that I know that I probably have a few good stories. And that'd be pretty interesting to hear. 
So I'm really looking forward to that. But anyways, getting back to it, when we were we got up to the bridges and we got out and <coughs> started fly rod fishing. Like I was talking to Sam, you don't fly rod fish to do a fish fry. And by that I mean if the brim are there, you can tear them up. But there is a lot easier ways to harvest said critter. Just like going rifle hunting for a whitetail, why do you pick up a bow? You just want to do it and you want the challenge. So when you do connect with an animal, it's just that much sweeter. So I only packed my fly rod and bass rod. He was using a little, uh, I believe they call them little dock demons or a little kayaking rod, a little bit shorter. It looks like an ice fishing rod in a way, but I believe they call him like a little dock demon. And he had what I call, there's probably an official name, but growing up I've always called him a Japanese beetle spin. It's a white body with a red dot. And that's about your most go-to color for brim. Myself fishing, I always use that or the black with the yellow stripes, and there's tons of others. I mean, everybody's got what works for them. And to be honest, you can't beat the old green night crawler. The ones they feed that glow in the dark stuff or whatever, and they turn green, that is the best brim bait you can use. They can't resist it. But, and in the day, artificial bait's just easier to deal with. And you gotta keep it alive. And I'd say the overall trip, he probably caught about 10 on that, and I only caught two brim on my fly rod, and they were just big enough to hold in your hand, but still it was fun. It was a fight, and that's one thing about those river fish. Fighting that current their whole life, they are so much stronger versus a lake or a pond fish. And to me, I feel like the flesh is just more texturally white, which to me, the only freshwater fish I really care to eat is a catfish. I'll fillet a bass if it's big enough. I hadn't done that in years. I really don't care to eat a brim. I just like catching them. <coughs> Too many dang bones in them suckers. And I always tend to get one of the gum. It never freaking fails. But for the most, it was, if anything, it was just fun getting out on the, the river again. And I'm ready to take my wife back. She is going to freaking love it. Because the way this river forms, it'll, it, was, it snakes up in there a little bit. But once it gets to a point, no boats can get up past it. So it's pretty much all kayaking river and pretty much almost wading up river. I'd probably give it another two weeks. Some spots probably going to have to pull the kayak. But that's just part of it. You park a chair on the sandbar, put a cooler in the water, and just hang out and chill out and have fun. Now, I didn't see a lot of snakes and gators not saying they ain't there. But for the most part, especially on the with the coochie growing up, you always tend to watch, for those of you, the noob kayakers or people that don't know, this is, or people that do know too, this is a reminder. Don't paddle under a limb on the river because a snake could fall out. I on the with the coochie, we had some cousins we knew going under an oak limb. Sure enough, the snake falls out. I believe it was a moccasin, which they, more than likely it was a banded water snake. But one of the guys actually shot a hole in his boat with a 22. So. It is what it is, and that's a dumb redneck thing, but definitely try to stay in the middle or whatever, but just pay attention. That's all you can. I mean, you need the shade anyway on that river, so you're going to do what you got to do. I, myself, I, if I find a good shady spot, I try to get under it. Just make sure you double check because they blend in good. But the good thing is with this river, <coughs> excuse me, all freaking allergies. This has been the worst year for allergies for me. I've... I don't know if it's just me getting older with it or what, but my lord, they're getting bad. 
And one good thing I do like is that if you are chilling on this river laying down, you can see if something's floating up to you. The water's pretty clear. Unlike the Withlacoochee, it, it looks like it's constantly stirred up. And not until it gets super, super low. So now for this come, upcoming weekend, I'm kind of coming out of retirement. And in that meaning, I'm going to shoot my first archery tournament with my longbow in about 11 years. And bringing the family in tow. So it's kind of coming full circle for me. And I'm getting back into it. And I'm not doing it for tournaments, point scoring, all that like I used to. My mindset now is strictly hunting. I'm not worried about points. Wherever. As long as I don't lose any arrows. And I can make an ethical shot on the animal every time. To put that animal as quickly down as possible. That's my goal. Now... The way, I believe they say like max distance for us is going to be like 25 yards. I've been practicing out to 30, and I have shot out at 30, past 30, but I haven't found my holdover for that yet. So I just kind of stuck around there, and anything in between that, I know I can hit it. At least should be able to. I've been practicing my tail off for the past six months. Um... But I'm really excited about that and kind of curious to who's all out there and just talk to people. Because 11 years is a long time to disappear from something that you were, I mean, eye deep in. I mean, I was shooting tournaments every day. I'd say every weekend back in the day. Just there was always something. I mean, even after school, I'd be practicing for tournaments. I'd get out, go eat snack, then go shoot till dark. And I'm not talking just a little hay bale either. I would just about, I'd actually average about 80 I would stretch it out 90 meters, but I would do from 60 to 80 meters practicing on my feet at target, shooting these little, they are, well, they were as little bullseye stickers for rifle to sight your gun in, but I'm trying to think a little how the size of a, just a little bit bigger than a Gatorade cap. So aim small, miss small was always my philosophy, and it always worked out. So I'm really, really excited, and I'm going to, there's a lot of guys I want to have on through that area, especially as uh, deer season gets closer for September 12th is archery season here in Georgia. Super freaking stoked for that. I cannot wait to get up to Piedmont and hunt with my bow, Stephen Foster over there at Okefenokee Swamp, which I'm not going to be going by myself over there. Piedmont's one thing. I can handle Piedmont. But Okefenokee, <coughs> excuse me, y'all. I'm really sorry for coughing. The Okefenokee, I mean, you look at it this way. When James Oglethorpe walked through them woods back in the 17, 18, whatever, he said this place would make a great prison. And that's what, I mean, that's what Georgia was, was the prison state to bring the downtrodden, no good doers. So it's not the best land, but it is the, it's some of the prettiest for, I mean, people really don't realize South Georgia. I mean, it's, like a great value Amazon, if I could put it like that. It's just the amount of wildlife and like the quantity. I'm not saying like there's just a there's an abundance, but per ratio per square meter of ground, there is a lot of critters. And I'm talking from spiders, the size. I, when I have my dad on, we're gonna talk about that story, but. I mean, huge spider, big as your hand. Snakes, if you do not have snake boots, 
don't go in there. That's your warning now. Every time I went hunting, I saw snakes going into my tree, at my tree, walking out of my tree. I never will forget this one time we were bow hunting. Got up there, broad, kind of dark, you know, it's starting to come light, you know. And all of a sudden, I like, I, we were, it was in a flooded area, man, it's a swamp. All of a sudden, I like see waves moving around the bottom of my tree. I look down and there's like a bundle of four moccasins. Like, I don't know if they were just having sex or fighting. They were doing something. And I told, I radioed my dad and I said, I got snakes at the base of my tree to where I was just standing literally 20 minutes ago. Meaning they were probably right there next to me. So, and he's, and the funny thing was, he says, I got two of them too. He said, I can see them down there. I'm looking at them. So I, what I ended up doing when I come down out tree, I actually broke off some sticks above my head and was dropping them just to kind of scare everything off if there was anything down there because after a while they moved on, but I didn't know how far. So, I mean, there's if I kept talking about that, all the stuff I've had happen to me over there, especially I've seen one of the biggest bucks of my life in South Georgia over there, but as the universe would have it and being a story of a bow hunter, didn't have a shot. Now, if it had a rifle, it would have been a different story. He'd probably have been taking a ride to Valdosta. But, as is, we just got to watch him and enjoy him for what he was. And I'm glad I got to see it. And that's public land hunting with me. I've grown up doing that my whole life. And that's 98%. So, to me, I get really excited if I see a doe. Let alone if something where I'm like, it looks like it came out of Buckmaster's catalog, just humped out, hopped out of the magazine. I just, I mean, I don't know. I got, I'm working on myself with that and getting too excited, which, I mean, I say that. It's just, I'm glad I get buck fever. It tells me I like it. It tells me this, I know what I'm doing is right for me. And that's the main thing is listening to yourself and realizing, because <laughs> I mean, you know, on public land, I'll get, getting that lull of it and you realize you're like, why am I even doing this I ain't seen nothing heard nothing and it's the last second the last day or the last day or last morning and all of a sudden you hear that twig break and you look and there's a deer or whatever there and all that anguish just washes away in that instant but I want to thank everybody for sticking with the podcast and rolling with it and keeping me support giving me likes giving me follows if you have anybody that might be interesting or does something cool outdoors, send them my way. They just don't got to be a hunter. They can be a hiker, camper. If they make something to deal with outdoors, shoot them my way. I'm working on getting my business cards made so I can start handing them out more, getting stickers. It's all coming in time and just stay the course, stay the same pace, and just roll with it. So again, thank you for all the support from the sponsors to everyone who's been on and just people listening. Thank you again. This is Connor signing out.